everybody, and welcome back to Across the Airwaves' very own Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast. The podcast dedicated to giving weekly episode reviews for the new CW and DC Entertainment superhero TV series, Arrow. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my co-host. Wait, wait, stop it, Michael. I'm eating carrot cake. By the way, my name is Wolliskin. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing today? Enjoying Carly's carrot cake. See what I did? Aha, uh-huh, I see what you did there. Well... We have an exciting episode of Longbow Hunters planned for you guys because this uh, this episode, Wu and I will be covering the eleventh episode of Arrow and the second in the uh, of the new year, entitled "Trust but Verify." We will also be covering the sixteenth digital comic book entitled "Sins of the Father," and we have some really interesting, interesting and well, good, I guess, news that have come out this week that we just want to share with you guys and share our opinions on. So. I guess we'll get started with that right now. First off, Wu, the probably the biggest one to come out in a while, and we've been hearing rumors forever, and we've get, been getting really annoyed with the rumors, but it's been officially confirmed by both Disney and, um, oh, who else confirmed it? Someone else confirmed it, but I don't remember who. But Disney for sure, that J.J. Abrams, uh, director of Star- the new Star Trek film, director of Super 8, creator co-creator of Fringe and Lost, will be directing Star Wars and, Episode 7. And Alias, and uh, he's involved in Person of Interest, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, my space fantasy and sci-fi eyes have just gone cross-eyed with this news. Personally, I don't understand the hate, because I think it's going to be really good. still have all that stupid whining about the prequels, which are not nearly as bad as everyone makes them sound. I don't know. It's just, it's irritating. I'm, I'm saving all this for our inevitable George Lucas hate episode and why, and why everyone hates him. And shout out to Andy Babak and Nico Reifsteck and Dan Schmidt. I hope you guys can be available for that podcast when we eventually do that one because I have a lot of things to get up on just and possibly so do you. Yeah, well, I do. But back to the news. What is your opinion on this, first of all, and then I'll share what I think. First of all, I, I have stated I wanted Joe Johnson to do this just because I thought it would be cool kind of symmetry, but outside of Joe Johnston, J.J. Abrams is the only person I would trust with this fully other than Spielberg. I completely agree with you. And, and here's the thing with J.J. Abrams. He could give two craps about what the internet says. That's what I really respect about him. So much so that I don't even think he, I don't even think he owns a Windows or Mac computer or like looks on fan boards anymore. Just because the, the internet community, you guys matter, but not as much as you 
Well, and the thing is, too, I, I definitely trust this guy to do that. Just this movie, I guess. Just based off of the sci-fi that he's given us before. Like, the thing with J.J. Abrams is, and I do not say this much about most modern directors and writers, mainly because a lot of things are based off of something else, which is fine if you do a good job, but J.J. Abrams does a lot of things that most people can't. And what he does is, if he ever would base something off something else, he would make it so different that you wouldn't even recognize it. In fact, he actually makes you think with his sci-fi. He really does. Here's the thing with J.J. Here's the thing with J.J. Abrams, and I'm, I've warmed up to J.J. Abrams over the years, but great director, three out of five writer, maybe four out of five writer. His, yeah. his writing is not fit. His writing is not fantastic. It's good at times, but it's not great. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but... He does have that sci-fi mind. Yes, but his shot choice is fantastic. He's good at watching shows, he think, but he's not good at seeing them through. But to his credit, he said that many, many times about himself. Well, I mean, and you even look at the new Star Trek film. And I know diehard Star Trek fans, a lot of them don't like it because it erases their original continuity. But think about it. What what Again, reboot? I don't care. I don't. Well, I, I don't, don't either. Care. I'm at the point in my life. I'm at the point in my life where I'm sick and. Well, first of all, most of you guys don't have many nice, generous social skills. I need to get that out of the way. You guys have very little social skills. You treat treat people like you. All of you guys start. Like, super Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, comic book fans who look down on people. You guys think you have MDs or PhDs in these things? And quite honestly, even if you did, like, most people still thumb you, their nose at you anyway. But you were saying, like, well, I'm sorry, I had to say that. Because these people are some of the most horrible people I've ever met in my life. And you guys are supposed to be passionate fans. I Thanks. agree with you. I mean... Quite honestly, Will, and I hate this, I hate to say this, I really do, because it pains me to have to go through it every once in a while, but I find myself a lot of the times on boards or uh, comment sections to news websites being the only one to defend things like Smallville, which a lot of diehard fans hate, believe it or not, or the Star Wars prequel. No! No! It's shocking. Well, I, I don't under, I really don't understand why. Quite honestly, I really don't, and I don't want to. And I understand why. I understand why, but the way they go about it, they don't say, "I don't want to watch it." I don't. I have no interest in it. It's the first thing they say is, "It sucks." Why are you doing Dawson's and Squeak and Superman together? Well, and the like, thing no is, one too. Asked for your no one asked for your opinion, and even if we did. Like, don't say it like that. Well, and the thing is, too, most of the people watched, like, the first two, maybe three seasons of Smallville, then said it sucked. And then they say, well, when you have all these other heroes on before he's Superman, it's stupid. The thing is, they had never watched it. They don't understand how the series works. Just like people who don't watch Arrow. Just, right. They're not fans of Superman. Exactly. And And it's a lot like the the fans who watch Arrow, too. Because the, there are people who yeah. watch Arrow who love it. 
There are people who watch Arrow who don't like it. But to their credit, at least they watch it and give it a shot. There are a lot of people who don't and just say it's stupid because their villains are done wrong. The DC Comics characters who have been on it have been quote-unquote CWized. I don't even know what that means, but whatever. That's not the point. The point is they don't like it because it's different and it's not word for word yeah. scene from scene yeah, what the comics is. It's not what they want it to be. And truth be told, I really think that these, and most of these people are guys. I think if, if President Obama, I know you're not listening to me, but if you would please pass a bill to say that they can make animatronic women so these guys can actually, like, chill out, I would actually be very happy about that. I'm sorry to be that way, but I'm going <laughs> to ram tonight. Well, well. I'm going to cut you I'm off before you say something bad, Wu. I'm going to cut you no, off no, no, before you say something bad. No, 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 I'm not going to lose my cool. Okay. I'm just saying, okay. these people are just some of the most horrible people I've ever, I've ever seen. And the, my point to all of this, you're ruining it for everyone else. Absolutely. That's what my major problem is. You're ruining, you're ruining something that's supposed to be fun. If you're gonna bash other people's things, like how, how much of a scumbag are some of these people that you bash things that people like? We make fun of Twilight and that kind of thing because it's so over the top cheesy and what that thing is with Jeremy Irons about like the superpower people. You've seen that trailer for that movie? Um, that one I have not seen, but to to my credit, if I've bashed Twilight before, I at least have the uh the decency to have watched it. Which I have had. Or, or I don't get I don't get into specifics of why I, I don't like it because I don't like it. I'm not gonna bash people and say they're dumb for watching right. for, dumb for watching it. Well, I, I may think that, but thinking and actually saying are two different things. Right. And I'm I'm gonna get to back to my but, point real quick, Wu. My okay. original point that I I'm so glad I actually held on to. My my original point was, and I'm sorry to cut you off, is that J.J. Abrams, what he did with Star Trek in the first place was he erased the entire original continuity and restarted it. I do not know many people who would even think that is an option when rebooting a major sci-fi franchise. Most of them just start from scratch and go forward. Hey, Christopher Nolan sort of did that after Batman and Robin, and no one's hunting him with pitchforks, right? Well, and what I mean by that is, he literally did it on screen, and even showed the original timeline Spock to have been the only one from that timeline to have existed still. Like, he literally destroyed the timeline in the film. And I, really, I give him a lot of credit because he understands sci-fi. He really gets it. So I think Episode 7 is going to be great, personally. And here's the here's two more things and then we'll move on. He did that after there have been years and years and years, well not years and years, but quite a bit about amount of time since the last Star Trek movie, the last Star Trek series that was on UPN. You can do that if there's been enough time or there's an, uh, the new audience, the new audience who doesn't really know much about Star Trek, hello. David Goyer and Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder for, for doing that with Superman. Hello, thank you very much. You can do that if there's been a lot of time. But, and another point I want to make, J.J. 
from Star Trek. That last battle scene with the spaceships, I won't go into detail for those who haven't seen it. That is like the best space battle I have seen in the last like seven years. I was, I cheered like I was at a hockey game after that game was over, or after that movie was over. Yeah. And so did every single member of the audience that was moving. I, I, other than the Avengers, that was like what my top two best movie experiences. I was so pumped after leaving that theater after Star Trek. Point is, J.J. Abrams I have complete faith with. Again, I want to see a story, and I want to see a trailer. That's my rules for these days. Director, 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 cast, and trailer. Yeah. Well, I, I can't, based off what you're saying about that Star Trek, uh, that uh, battle scene in the spaceships, which I have seen, and I own, and I watched it many times. It's a great film. I cannot wait for Star Trek Into Darkness this summer, and I really can't wait for Star Wars Episode Seven now. Because, like, you reminding me about that just got me really pumped. Not to go into too much detail about one, two, and three, and I'm sorry we're going on a tangent here, guys, but the one, the one main thing stylistically that episode one, two, and three missed, not enough space battles. There wasn't, like, a, a lot of dog fights, like, space dog fights in those. And they had good space fights. And they had good space fights and good fights in general, but there just weren't enough. Yeah, I mean, we did get the awesome one in episode three, but, you know, I mean, you had to take, you know, you had to take it with a grain of salt. We got good laser sword fights, but we didn't get good space battles. Apparently, you can do both. And I think Abrams will pull both off, because I think this movie will be longer than a regular Star Wars film. That's well, what I think. That's my prediction. God, I hope it, God, I hope it, God, I hope it's not too long because the like all of them are like two hours and twenty minutes. But next item on the news docket after that long, long podcast in and of itself. Yes. Uh, last week I believe it was, and correct me if I'm wrong about this. We discussed the Justice League oh. movie lineup. Are we correct, or am I correct? Um. Um, earlier this week, actually, I posted it on the social networking pages. Okay, so we didn't do it on our last episode. Okay. Well, it, it no, was... We didn't. It was literally, like, three days ago. Okay. It was literally... It was... Literally. It was, um, reported by Latino Review in the past week, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but there are things that they actually get right, believe it or not, that the Justice League film lineup was going to consist of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and The Flash, which I believe we all saw coming pretty much. However, something that was pretty interesting that I um that I looked into a little more was they said there was possibly. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I thought you were going to mention John Jones and Aquaman. <laughs> yes, that is what I'm going to mention. But uh, it was also reported in the same article that possibly. There will be a cameo from another Justice League member who won't be of the main five team, but he'll play a sort of Nick Fury type role where he's there, but he doesn't have to be directly involved. And the three heroes that they listed that could be candidates for this cameo are Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, and Hawkman. I personally would rather have Hawkgirl than Hawkman, but that's just me. I want I want Martian Manhunter, though. Mainly because he got the shaft with the new 52. Woo, your thoughts. 
Personally, I don't want a Nick Fury kind of character at all. Oh, I don't either, but I'd ra but if they were going to cameo some character like that, I'd rather it be Martian Manhunter. Yes, and then, but then you would have to explain who um, John Jones is. Um, and another personally, film. Personally, like, yeah, personally, like, I don't like the idea that, that, of that, uh, again, I need to see a story. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into this too too deeply. I really, I'm really surprised. You know, uh, well, I'm not surprised because basically the Justice League that you just mentioned is the original, original, original JLA. Pretty much, yes. The the one that Ju Julie Schwartz, one of the giants of the DC comic or not DC comics, comics industry created. I mean, this well, is and, the, and, the Justice um... League. And what's his name? Gardner Fox. More by, more by, more rising and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Uh, I really don't have an opinion on this because, like Star Wars, this has been changed so many damn times. Yeah. I am not going to comment until like we get an actual director. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to any of our listeners. It's been a really busy week. I'm sorry if I'm a little raw, but I think I'm more. I think I'm more entertaining this way. And I'm sorry to Andy Babak. It sounds like I'm bashing Justice League. I'm not. I'm just like I'm very confused about what they're trying to do. At least with Avengers, at least I got an idea of what they were going for. Oh, absolutely, because they had all those movies leading up to it. Yeah, it's a lot easier to discern with that. But um, our final piece of news is actually Arrow spoiler news, and it's not really news. It's an episode title that I kind of want to talk about because I think it's really lame. Uh, the episode where Huntress returns is literally going to be called The Huntress Returns. Um, yeah. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a lame title, sir. That's that is an extremely that's lame title. Why is that a lame title? You're going to call an episode of Arrow that is about Oliver Queen and not about Huntress, The Huntress Returns. You couldn't have thought well, of a better name. That sounds, very, that sounds a very old school comic thing to me, though. Like, I, and that's fine, well, but that doesn't work that for the show. Uh, for me. Well, I think that's what... Well, okay, yeah, I was just about to say, I think that's personal preference. I think... I think... I don't... Here's the thing about the early 2000s and up to now, I really hate witty titles just for the sake of being witty. Yeah, I understand, but I'd rather it be a witty title that's done well than something so bland like this. See, here's the thing. If there isn't a better name you can call it, that's why you call it this. Clearly, because this is, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, really, if, I mean, honestly, what are you going to say? Um, the, pur the purple bow? Would you rather want it? <laughs> if there was a significance to the purple bow, yes. Or my, go my girlfriend's back? Yeah, I could go with that one. I think you're, I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill, so, cause I, just with, just with this, 
Well, that was a quote from the episode. Yes, but I was, I was like thinking, why, why am I looking, why am I looking at, why am I looking at a CD title here when I heard the name of the, this episode? It's like, like a, a band, a, a My Chemical Romance like title for a CD, but moving on. Yeah, I guess, I guess we'll, I guess we'll move on. Um, yes, like Wu said, the episode we'll was. Agree dis- we'll agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. Okay. Hey, that's a good title for the episode. <laughs> there you go. That's what they should have called it. <laughs> yes. Agree to disagree. Alright, so the episode tonight that we will be covering is Arrow episode 11, entitled Trust But Verify, which was written by Gabriel Stanton and directed by Nick Copus. So, Wu. Oh, it's Gabriel, not Gabriel. I thought it was written by a woman. I'm sorry. Gab, did I say Gabriel? Yeah. Did I? Okay. Yes. Well, Gabrielle then. Sorry about that. I don't know okay. what just happened. Okay. I thought it was written by. I thought it was written by a woman. It's. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. Okay. So, Gabriel and his beliefs. Well, I, I kind of phrased that wrong, weirdly, in the notes. But really, I just want to talk about Diggle and his moral code as opposed to Oliver. Because like like it's been said in this episode, Diggle looks for the best in people. And he does that in a way that will put himself and others, as we see in the episode, in danger. Including Carly or even Oliver himself. So, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on Diggle in this episode? Here's the thing. There's one thing I need to say about that before I get all my thoughts on Diggle. The same thing Oliver says about Diggle, Tommy says about Dinah. Yeah. And and like I say in the notes, though, I think Green Arrow TV's Derek B. Gale and his review on this episode, he made a good point. When do we ever see Laurel really see the best in people? Because throughout the entire series so far, she's really just been dogging on people a lot like Thea has, just in a different way. Huntress episode didn't include the list, and this did, yeah. and the list hasn't been yeah, wrong, like that, Oliver says. But other than that, I really, well, quite honestly, if someone saved your life, I doubt you're, I doubt you're on the bandwagon right away to, right away to like disparage the name of the person that saved your life. Oh yeah, I understand that, but how many li- lives has the list saved? Back. Regardless of what any like little 
repeat like a little name sentence in a book. I'm, I'm sorry, I can see Jingle's point. Just because a book says someone's bad, we're just supposed to be trusting a book like by a guy that possibly written by a guy that shot himself in the head. Right. And the fact and the fact of the matter is like we and we're led to believe this through the like I don't mean to jump ahead, but we're led to believe through this almost the entire episode that Ted I can't remember his last name knows me. No, that's the guy from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Gator is just a innocent bystander in this whole illegal this illegal soldier operation to steal to steal gold or whatever they're stealing. And did you feel that Ted Gaynor really should have been played by that guy who played Rick Flagg on Smallville? Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't think about that, but that's a really good casting choice. And what, like, to go back to Diggle for just a sec, and then we'll move to the next thing, I have to really believe, I really like Diggle having these unshakable morals. Yeah. And Oliver even tells him that, like, that's why you were the perfect choice to be my, to be my comrade, because you have morals, you have this, like, unshakable moral code that obviously Oliver's willing to break his, quite literally, in some people's necks, to, to, to further his cause, or to, or to protect himself and defend all the truth. Diggle wouldn't do that, and we see that later on, but we'll get, we'll get to the alley scene. Yeah, I, I, like you, I really, I really respect Dickel. I think I respect him more than even I like him sometimes, because in this episode, I didn't really like him, because he didn't trust Oliver, at least at the beginning. And, but I did respect him, you're and really, I respected exactly where he was coming from. You're really into, you're, hold on, hold on, you're really into, like, trusting the main character of the show, aren't you? I really am, that's... That's probably my default. My the, my only exception is Dean Winchester on Supernatural, who I've been really weary of well, lately. Well, there's more than one main character on that show, but uh, I, I've, I've just now noticed that you're really against disparaging the main character if he's the title, if he or she is the title character of the show. If they've proven themselves to me, then yes. And Oliver has. Okay. I just wanted to make that observation. Go ahead. No, good observation. But... And by the way, I have to say this before I forget. Diggle, David Ramsey, I mean, looks a lot like a younger version of the Allstate commercial guy. Just saying. Yes, or he could be his, or he could be, like, his little brother. brother. I, I, bet that's, I bet that's who they cast if they ever show Andy. That is awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, yes. But, no, I, I really do, re I, I respect Diggle, and I understand where he's coming from. My problem is, I don't understand, and I do, I guess you were talking about it with the whole soldier and the Bond thing, but if that's the case, then he should be that way with Oliver as well, because of how they have been. It's a, di it's a different thing, man. It's a different thing. I've done a couple soldiers, there's a bond there, and part of it is being on the battlefield. Again, if James Hansen was here, you know, he could tell you that, you know, when, when you're in the battlefield, literally in the trenches, 
trenches for somebody, and you see guys getting like blown away or blown up. That that's a that's an experience that you or I cannot comprehend. That's why I'm defending that bomb, just because it's something that you or I would have not uh, have not faced yet, and probably never will. That's why I'm not. That's why I'm not on it very much. Then let me put it. Then let me put it this way. Then let me put it this way. Diggle spent the last ten episodes trying to convince Oliver to trust him, but he is not in this episode trusting Oliver. Well, he, well I think Diggle feels until the end. Until the too. end. I feel that Diggle feels indebted to this guy because he saved his life. That's why he's giving him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, let's be let's be honest. If somebody if somebody can like disparage Dan and told him told you what a that he could possibly be a criminal, you're not gonna jump up. You're not gonna turn your back on Dan right away, are you? No, I'm gonna take him down right there and then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there goes but, Dan. In all seri- in all seriousness, you see my point. You see my point. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it does solidify. It shows Diggle that the list is not wrong. That both of them can be wrong. Because they've both seen each other at their worst and at their best at this point. But they know that the one thing that is always consistent and constant is the list. And Diggle saying that he doesn't want to see the names on the list beforehand. I completely understand that because I don't think I would want to either. Here's the thing with this. Like I said, with the hell, with the hell that episode, that was that was all. That was Diggle's test to trust Oliver. This episode was Oliver's test to trust Diggle, and I find it interesting and ironic with everybody else's relationship or kind of on shaky ground. This is the only one that's really solidified. And I think it needs to be. Just based around what the series is. If it wasn't, I don't think the series well, yeah, would be as good. Well, truth be told, this is the only, this is the only like quote unquote relationship in the series that everyone, that each party knows what's going on and they completely trust each other. Like, look at everybody's relations, other other than maybe say Joanna and Dinah's. Like everybody else, like doesn't trust anybody. Everybody else has an alternate agenda or some hidden feelings or some hidden jealousies. Yeah. Like everybody else has like these these two are the only ones that are on solid ground, which is ironic since Oliver spent the first five six episodes trying to get away from Dale. Well, and the funny thing about this series is too is that people have embraced this relationship so well, just, I mean, the Arrow fan community and the Green Arrow fan community, that really it's shocking that he is not yet in the comics. And not only that, this is something completely new to Green Arrow in general, because he generally is on his own unless he's with other super-powered people. Well, I think you just answered your own question. The reason why he's not in the comics is because he's so new. Right. 
but I'm surprised they haven't announced his coming into the comics, I guess is what I should say. They they won't do a Chloe where they, we don't see Chloe in the comics for like a decade. It's not going to be like one of those things. But going to Felicity's return, what a good, it was like the opposite of Quentin Lands where Quentin Lands, you only saw him on the TV and why in the world he needed that actor on the TV for just that thing was just ridiculous to me compared to, compared to Felicity Smoke. Yes. So I don't get my wine? I don't get my wine. I love it. She is great. She really is. I look at this woman's IMDb. Like, she hasn't done nearly enough comedy. She's a natural comedian. She's natural. I mean, usually with actors who have never done, or actors and actresses who have never done comedy, they just send straight drama. Spoiler alert, hope, but she I, is going to reveal his secret. She's going to find out. Okay. Okay. Which I'm excited for, because that'll be I, awesome. I want her, because I want her in the inner circle, especially if, like, where, where the parents are going, the parents are not going to be around for too long. Well, they, well, possibly until season three, that's what I'm thinking, but that's another story. Um, well, and the thing is, too, if it's just Oliver and Diggle... And they're both out in the field without someone to watch their back via, like, monitor or something. You're going to need someone like that who can hack into stuff instead of just asking all the time to break the encryption in a cryptic way like Oliver keeps doing. You need that person. Since Oliver is, n- and since Oliver is not the, the CEO of Queen Consolidated, it's a perfect cover for Felicity just because she's nobody in the company pretty much. Well, she she is and she isn't. She's not well known, but she's vital to the company because of what she did. Yeah, people know who she is, but again, it's she's known, but not known enough to like people that actually see what she's actually doing for Oliver. Right. Until Malcolm shows up. Unfortunately, I think that's where they'll end up going at some point throughout the series. I really don't want them to, but I think I it might happen. I, I, I it's like if I you've know. seen that new show, Elementary, where Watson is a girl and her and Sherlock are partners. You all, Everyone knows where it's going to go. It's just not there yet. Well, Back for a second, though. We have to go back for a second. Okay. 
because we missed something I wanted to talk about, and it it wasn't it was kind of in the conversation between Oliver and Diggle, and basically. In the episode, Oliver actually says that his father left a message for him about the list. And Diggle asks how that's possible, seeing as how his father was dead before he got to the island. And Oliver says that it didn't have to be the island where he found the message. So my question is, and people have been speculating this for a while, has Oliver left the island before? And if, if that's the case, where did he go? Something that effect, just not in that detail, yes. part of the reason why they started dumbing down on them with the Huntress episodes and why I don't think they're going to be doing them every episode now, which I hope is the case. I think it worked okay for this episode because you needed something to fill in the time because you couldn't have the entire thing be the Diggle and Oliver, you know, spat plotline, but... Yeah, I get it, but I would really just like to see a couple episodes where it's just all flashback. Like, he's sitting in, in his, like, in, at his desk. By the way, by the way, I need to mention, Baladin, speaking of the de- his desk, what did Diggle call that thing underneath the club? The Arrow Cave. The Arrow Cave? Some writers have okay. been listening to Longbow Hunters. says yeah i installed a new entrance to the arrow cave last week or something like that just so casually i love it in one line of dialogue but no real real quick i have to i want to i want to talk real quickly about my theory that i told you before the episode started okay because it has to do with our island talk what if and this goes out to you guys too if you want to write in and let me know what you think about this theory go go for it but what if the gambit, the Queen's Gambit, was blown up near the island solely for the purpose of having Eddie Fires find Robert Queen 
and keep him and torture him there because he's under orders for, from Malcolm Merlin or their group or whatever they are. And what if, because Robert killed himself, Oliver was the one who had to pay the price, and now he's the one in that seat that was supposed to be his father's? Then why would he take his son with him? Maybe he didn't know. Why, why, not, just go, why not just go alone? Maybe we didn't know. He didn't, well, maybe he didn't know their intention was to put him on the island and torture him. Here's how your theory could, here's how your theory could work. Remember when I said that he was using this boat trip as a way to, like, confess to his son his sins? Maybe his plan was to, like, leave on that island and then Oliver come back to Starling City and basically do what he's doing now. Just without all the torture and stuff. And he just didn't get the chance because Robert realized that only one of them could survive? Yeah. And he was, obviously, he wasn't expecting for, like, that huge storm to come in. But it, I don't think we're going to get answers to what actually happened that day on the Queen's Gambit for at least a couple seasons, I would think, at this point. Because how many, like... Like, crackpot theories to borrow Dan and Nico line. How many of those have we had about that the one thing? And we still haven't gotten anything back yet? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, but, we can speculate and theorize all we want until we're blue in the face. But ultimately... We're not gonna know until they reveal, and I I think it's just fun to speculate. I don't I don't even care if my theory is accurate or not. I think it's just fun to come up with it and talk about it and see what you think. But I I think there's a, a much more important crackpot theory which we find out at the end of the episode, but we'll but we'll get to that we'll get there soon. These tantrums. This was the one of the only times that Thea was whining and complaining, but she actually had a very valid point to it. I thought she was just a brat. I really did. I couldn't stand it. And I got and there were a lot of people who thought the same thing, so I'm not alone here. I know that for a fact. Well here's here's my argument to you. Is it because you have a bunch of younger siblings? Um, no, not really. I just I couldn't stand her whining in this one. Like normally I can be okay and try and justify it and listen to your justifications, but this one I just couldn't deal with. She's been doing this too often, and it just came off as really bratty here. I'll, 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 give, I'll give you that one. Okay, first of all, I'll give you that one. She has done it way too often. Here's my, excuse me, here's my point in these tantrums. She doesn't know anything. Out of all the main characters, she knows the least. How, how, does, she, how does she know that her mother didn't cheat on her father and might have caused her father's death. She doesn't. But the point is, she but, finds every little excuse no, no, no. to whine about something. And it's irritating. Okay, 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 I see that. I see your point. But I'm trying to look at the, this from Speedy's point of view. I'm trying to look at this from Speedy's point of view. She doesn't know anything about her father's death. How does she know that, again, one more time, just to reiterate, how does she know that her mother isn't having an affair with Malcolm Merlin? And that might have caused her father to go on that boat and cause his death. How does, how does she not know that? And how does she know, how does Speedy not know that Moira's doing the exact same thing just with Walter? And now Walter's missing. 
Well, first of all, she never actually jumped to the conclusion that her mother killed her father, or vice versa, or that Malcolm did. She didn't jump to that conclusion. She didn't put two and two together there. But, but you are correct. You are correct her, in saying. But she blames her mother. True. She blames her mother. True. And she blames her mother for Walter's thing too. I, I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. This I is understand. one of the only times that she's done that she's done it that is actually there is some validity behind it. Because again, Malcolm Merlin is always calling her on her Windows phone. Like Malcolm and I, I'm not I'm not totally against the theory either that Malcolm has the hearts for Moira. Oh, I I'm not against that either. I think that's that could very well be the case. But my my so I think my issue is though is that one time she sees Malcolm call her. This is the first time she's seen it. She freaks out, runs over, almost crying, and basically says mom's having an an affair without one even contemplating other options. Like the fact that she just became CEO of Queen Consolidated. And two, asking her mother. She could have done a lot of things to figure this out before jumping to conclusions. I think that's my issue. I think the the whole point of the writing, I think the execution was kind of like halfway from the writer's point of view. Because I think the whole reason they did it this way is just to get Oliver involved in the story. Which I get their intentions, but the execution was kind of like not. It didn't hit the mark, so to speak. No pun intended. Well, See and then I mean? and then there's the like, fact of her crashing, and when she was on that drug, did she not look a little bratty to you? Like she just well, didn't yeah. care. And then she got mad at well, her mom yeah, for like, trying to help her. I just I I nothing, couldn't do it. I couldn't feel sorry for her. Well, this again, time. well, well again, not for not not for nothing, man, but like. I used to be the, the kind of that way when I was like 14, 15. So I get, I get that, I get that point. Like I was really, really whiny and I yelled at people and I was inconsistent and da 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 da. And I get, I get your point and I, I understand this. But the point of it is, was ultimately just to weave Oliver into that story and to, and to get and to give them to something to do. She, yeah, and to actually move, and to actually put the heat on Moira too, because now, now the shield that you, the shields that you put up earlier in this season, those things are coming down when more and more people are snooping in on the relation, the relationship, or whatever it is with Malcolm Merlin. Which means I could see her very well dying at the end of the season. At this um, point, Moira? yeah, I can actually. I couldn't before, but now that you say that, I can. Yeah. And yeah, maybe it is overdramatic, but once again, if nothing else, Speedy is nothing but consistent. Yeah. I just wish she'd be a little inconsistent in this case. Because there have been times where she's been like this, but at the same time, she could still give off good advice to Oliver or her mom. But this, it just didn't work for me. That's, and and that's just me. Episode, I, I don't know. And I, no, 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 no. I, I, I totally see your point. But I, again, with the end of this episode and when she takes the vertigo and gets in that, wrecks her new convertible and 
this sets up what we're gonna get in the next week. I think that's this was the end of that. I hope so. Uh, who, wait, who, because if you're gonna, like, I'm, I'm a second, I am more like open-minded about it if it actually leads to something which it seems like it is going to. And if that's the case, and they change around her character, and she doesn't have to resort back to this in the future, I'm perfectly okay with it, and I'll accept it for what it is. But if it's just going to be her relapsing again after she meets Roy Harper, and after her brother possibly disapproves of him and stuff like that, then I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I, and I would be totally on your team. I would totally be on your team if that happened. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to do these over-the-top things with Speedy, to set up Vertigo for next week, I'm all for it. Absolutely. I agree with that. I do. Okay. Good talk. Here's the, here's <laughs> the, yeah, here's the thing with Moira and Malcolm's quote-unquote relationship. We kind of touched on it. I have, a fe- I have a feeling. Well, first of all, let me just say this. I think what Moira told Oliver in her bedroom that Robert cheated on her was absolute hogwash. I I agree. Like, I was going to say that, too. I don't bl- believe that for know. a second. And I don't think he does, either. I don't think, I don't think he... I don't think he does, either. Not after what he's been through. <laughs> yeah, Oliver, 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 Oliver has been trained, much like Bruce Wayne, to catch a liar. Right. Absolutely. He, he knows when he knows when somebody's lying. Well, and but he lies, so he really would know. Yeah, and the, the fact of the and the fact of the matter is with Malcolm, I think it's because, and I'm I'm I may be I may be um barking up the wrong tree here, but um we learned in this episode how Tommy's mother died. Do you, have, do you have an inkling that after Tommy's mother died, and we'll get into this more when we go into the Tommy and Dinah and Malcolm scenes, but do you, do you think after Tommy's mother died, Malcolm went to find, let's say for the sake of argument, Rajo Ghoul, and this is how he got that training to basically be the Dark Archer, Oh, absolutely. I don't think them showing the suit at the moment Tommy was talking about, that was a coincidence at all. I think that's exactly how it happened. In fact, really, quite honestly, I think his mother's uh, death was ordered by the higher upsetter above Malcolm. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. And honestly, so, and, and, um, Roger Gould said this in Batman Begins. Any rich people that try to help a dying society will be taken care of, will be taken out. That's probably why he wants the free clinic gone. And that's probably why Malcolm wanted Laurel's uh, law firm gone. Uh, I was just going to mention that, exactly. We are just (laughs) clicking tonight. (laughs) Well, let's get, can we move on to the, the dinner thing? Yeah. Move on to the dinner. Yeah. Okay. First of all, before we get to that, I really lo- like Tommy the manager. I really enjoy yes. this Tommy the manager. Thing. I like that too. <laughs> because, because, and I like the idea that Oliver's owner 
Tommy handles the day-to-day operations. <laughs> but what, well, what's funny here, all I've seen Tommy do in terms of managing people is he's threatening to fire people. Which is, I guess, the sign of a good manager if it works. <laughs> yeah, but at least he's doing something. It's different than Tommy just, like, like saying, Hey, Laurel, hey, Laurel, please go to bed with me. Please go to bed with me. Please go to bed with me. And, and can I say something about that real quick? Because this has been on my mind since I rewatched the episode earlier today. Quite honestly, okay. I, I completely understand the Tommy-Laurel relationship on paper. I completely understand where the writers want to go. I completely understand all of that. And I'm on board with it, story-wise. But I cannot buy the chemistry between the two of the actors. I cannot buy them as a couple. And it keeps irritating me because no. I just can't get it. No. It just doesn't click for no. me. And, and what was evident about this? We'll, we'll go back to Dingle and his, and his guys later because I did want to mention what they're actually trying to do. But... The shining example of the Dinah and Tommy relationship just not working was when they tried to do the consoling each other thing after they found out Joanna's brother got burned alive. And look how unnatural that hug is when Dinah comes back to her apartment. But just every scene between them really feels unnatural. I just can't buy the relationship at all. I I guess that's why we haven't talked about it as much. And maybe, and maybe that's what it's supposed to be, too. And that's what they're trying to play. Whereas Tommy is really... Whereas Colin Donald is supposed to be into it, whereas Cassidy, not so much. And I... Yeah, I get that. I do, but at this point, Tommy just seems like a... And I hate to use this analogy, because this isn't how I view his character at all. But at this point in his relationship, he just seems like the puppy with the big eyes. Well, they mentioned Tommy wanting a puppy in this episode. Well, like how... <laughs> Named Arthur. King Arthur. Well, here, well here's, the, here's the thing about um, the Diana and Tommy relationship. It really is the equivalent of, let's say, the Lex Ara of, the, of this series, where you know where, you know where this relationship is going to go. But there, was more rela- but there was more emotion in that relationship. <laughs> As but much as I hated point, it, though, yeah. But, but you see my point, though? I mean, even when that started in season five of Smallville, we knew Lex and Lana, we knew that wasn't going to end well from the start. Kind of like this. We know that Tommy is more in love with Dinah than Dinah is with Tommy. We, we know that deep, deep down, her, Dinah's heart belongs to Oliver. We all know that. And the fact, and the fact, I think the directors and the writers are actually telling these performers, play it this way, play it like you want to console him, but your but your heart is somewhere else. Like you're in I hope so. Colin, Colin. Yeah. And, and you know, because we wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't right in front of our face, like it is every week. Yeah, I, I really hope that's the case, because I really do look up to these actors. I think they're phenomenal, and I think they know what they're doing. I just really hope that's the case in this relationship, because if not, I don't I don't really know what to think of it. Okay, oh, and I agree. Here's the, th- here's the thing. We'll talk, we'll talk about um, the dinner later. I wanted to get to, to Malcolm and Tommy. 
here's the thing with Malcolm. He loves it. I'm sold on Malcolm Merlin loving his son. He does love his son. Yeah. Case in point, that that picture in his in his arrow cave. Let's call it the dark Ar- the, the the dark archer cave one. His dark cave. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Ready for this? His techno drill. His techno drill. <laughs> Come on, he does, he does look like Shredder. But we might as well call it the Aerodome. Or, or, or Lord Zed's smaller palace. Look at the fan in the background. Yeah, exactly. But here's, here's my, my point into all of this. Jokes aside, here's my point. The scene with him in the photograph... That totally sold me on the fact that he does love his son. Well, and the fact that he keeps calling both Tommy and Laurel at this point. Yeah. And the fact is, I think the reason why he... Well, first of all, I don't think... I don't think Tommy's mother really trusted Malcolm. Kind of like Lily and Lionel Luther, and rightly so. I, why you know, put, you know, I, I, I actually have a different opinion on that. I, okay. I okay. actually, oh, go ahead, go ahead first. No, no, okay, that, that's why, I'm only assuming that's why she put it in the, those legal documents that Tommy was the only one to s- sign away the free clinic. Okay. That's why I feel the way I feel. Because if, if there was nothing wrong, why in the world, why in the world does Malcolm need Tommy's John Hancock on this on these documents? Okay. Why does he need why does he need just close them? Why does he need to like see his son for this? Huh. Okay. Well my That's, how I how I feel it is, and this could be wrong and yours could be right and vice versa. Whatever. I think that they very much loved each other, and I don't think there were any trust issues until her death. But I think because the higher-ups ordered that death, and this goes along with my other theory, Malcolm realized that the life he was living, he could not live anymore. And he was sent to go train for those two years. Not necessarily wanting to leave his son, but having to leave his son. That's what I think. Your idea, your idea can work. I could just assume it was like your standard, like street crime, or where there was a shootout and and Malcolm's wife, Tommy's mother, got caught in the crossfire. Yeah, absolutely. And that could be it too. Much, Easily. Much like much like much like Roger Malcolm Merlin went on this journey to you know. Go, go find the means to find injustice, so to speak. But do it in a do it in a way. Well, there's two ways to do that. Do it in the Green Arrow Batman kind of way, where you want to protect the innocent, or or do it for, or do it and also seek power over people and have the ability to stomp out evil and everything within a city that has evil, to, just to ensure it doesn't happen again. There's the Raja Ghoul, and the, then there's the Green Arrow slash Batman way of justice. And there's also Superman and Huntress, which are 
kind of in the middle, so to speak. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep it like, like just in one side here, just to keep it like, you know, not too complicated for our audience because it, it is kind of like, it is kind of like doing plays for football. But moving, but moving on to the dinner, I really wanted to do this for Andy Babat, our friend Andy Babat, because I wasn't a really big fan of Malcolm Merlin. I did like him as a villain, but here's the John Barrowman. Has a great way of of being creepy, welcoming, and downright scary all in one scene. Yeah, that was very good acting by him. Yeah, very good acting. Because you really th- you really think about it, and look at the words he used he used when he's talking to Tommy and with. Dinah. He's very he's he's very threatening, but he look at the words behind it. It's they're very good intentions. Very good intentions. Yeah. And but but he can also play creepy when he's when he says his mom his mom I taught him a lot about life. I taught myself a lot about life or something to that effect. And and uh, and Dinah says how when his mother got shot in the shot in the head and died right there on the pavement, I was like, wow. Yeah. The words are truthful and the words are somewhere in a place of love and protection, but the way he says it, A is threatening, but B is like downright serial killer creepy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Very very. Very reminiscent of Jerry Padalecki playing Fields above in Supernatural. That's the kind of by my God, because like chills running up and down my spine. And look at the look on Cassidy's face. She is both stunned and both like repulsed and and a little freaked out. What is Who wrong with is you? This guy? <laughs> and what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, that was... I think that's one of my favorite scenes of this series so far. Like, that... The way everyone played everything, to where Tommy looked like he was about to burst into tears, to Dinah's reaction, and to, to John Berman playing the three things that I already said, very fantastic acting by Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is there something you wanted to add to? No, I think you summed it up perfectly, but um, I do want to get into the end scene with Diggle, Oliver, and uh, Gaynor. Yeah, I think we should explain to our audience that, like, these guys are pretty much, like, inner gang slash the one flesh gang um, that, were, that, were, that are military, but... And this is a kind of a social commentary about soldiers not being compensated by the government. These guys have given their lives when they were overseas, but much like a lot of soldiers when they come back, they didn't get compensated for it. That's why this globe, what is this, this world global group, what did they call this, sir? Well, the thing thing about it is, this group in the comics are called the Blackhawks, 
and actually they're heroes in the comics. They're nothing like they are on the show. And Gaynor, who's a member of the Blackhawks in the comics, is in on the show is nothing like his common counterpart. It's very interesting how they did it. Okay, that's stupid. I'm not gonna watch the show anymore. Forget it. I'm not gonna watch the show. It's not like the comics. Right? It's not word for word what the comics are. I'm not gonna watch it. Why isn't Green Arrow wearing a mask? Why is her name Bill, not Mia? Yeah. Why is his mom not dead? Um, yeah, no, that's all I was gonna say. Um, I, I really like this end scene, because I loved how Diggle just turned the tides, and they thought they had one up on him because they had Carly, and he, and yet he goes, you're forgetting something, I'm the one with the grenade launcher, and just starts launching that at them. That was a great line. That was a great line. That, that was, was awesome. Line. And like I said earlier in the episode, you're thinking that Ted is just an innocent bystander, and the... And the second in command, who we find out is the second in command, is the real leader. But no, he, and this is a, a TV standard, the nicest looking guy in the room and the, the sweetest personality guy is the most evil and turns out to be the most evil and the most cold hearted. And I love the, the, that whole thing of the rocket launcher. And I think Ted was right. Diggle wouldn't have shot him. He wouldn't have shot him. Unless... Ted was going to attack Carly or Oliver. Then he might. And and I'm still not on board with Carly and Diggle just because I do not like the idea. I'm not on board with it either, but that's where they're going. And I'm ah, ah. But hey, think of it this way, Woo. Think of it this way. We get to see more big belly burgers, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, I just I'm just flashing forward to the conversation and um um, John Diggle's gonna have with his, his nephew. I'm your stepfather now. Your, your, your daddy was my brother, and now I'm marrying his, his, his wife. And then, a la Supernatural, Carly gets a call and finds out her husband is actually still alive. Now, see here, that would be an, in- <laughs> no, 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 don't laugh. Because that would be an interesting plotline that I could see happening. And honestly, out of all the things we've seen in Supernatural, that was the most controversial, but here it actually works. Yeah. It works, it works better actually than it did on Supernatural, because when I saw it on Supernatural, I was like, oh, come on, that is... Yeah, I was, I was ticked when it happened on Supernatural. That was stupid. But here, Poor but Sam. Here, <laughs> here it works. Here it actually works. Yeah. But then, it, but then it would kind of like totally devalue Deadshot. But, move, but moving on, I have to ask you something for a logistical thing. Would would Arrow actually knock a gun out of somebody's head, a fully automated gun like that? I I think because how he makes his arrows because they're so sharp, it would go through the gun. Say. It would go through the gun. Which the force of it going through it at that speed would make it jar out of the hand. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I was just about to say Oliver's arrows are not like the arrows you guys use at summer camp. No. If you look at those things really closely, those things are made of wood, yes, but the but the tips are uh, 
And on that note, because Gaynor was wearing that bulletproof vest, I don't think he's dead either. Like Deadshot. No. Because if that arrow could go through Deadshot's eyepiece and him still be alive, I think this could easily mean Ted Gaynor is still alive. And which would add another rogue to Oliver's rogues gallery, which would be really cool if they all, you know, teamed up. And here's, and here's the thing with the list one more time. When they cross people up the list, that doesn't necessarily mean they're dead. They're just not a threat anymore. Yeah, in so most cases, he just turns them in. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so you wanted to get to, um, let's get to this first before we, before we get into anything else. Um, Speedy, Speedy's party. I really like Speedy's party. I really do like Oliver taking a more of a hand in his family. Yeah, I do too. I, I, do. I think that's going to improve like as it that. keeps going, which I'm happy about. Well, this was my point. Great introduction, even though we don't see him yet. Great introduction to Vertigo. Great introduction to that character. Yeah, that'll be really... Because now, Oliver's going to want to go after those drug dealers because of what happened with his sister. So it's a great segue. And I, really, and I really like, well, first of all, I I like Speedy, like actually speeding. I, I do, I do, I, I laughed. I laughed when I saw that just because I love that kind of continuity. And I really like the police officers at the hospital again. Or not again. Well, 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 what, uh, what I meant by again, I this hospital is really becoming Metropolis, Metropolis Medical Center, or the Smallville Hospital. something to do and i think it's actually going to be interesting as opposed to her like i said earlier just whining about everything she can find and i think it'll actually and make more ironic, sense and how ironic is it that we kind of see in the trailer which we'll get to it in this farther section how ironic is it that we actually see fia in that mob of people and oliver watching her but it was always the other way around very it's very but now we get to but now we get to Oliver trying to join the Foot Clan in the flashbacks. And I will say, I think Eddie Fires is a really good villain. I like him a lot, and I hope we get to see him while Oliver is off the island as Arrow. Yeah, but well, let's go into these flashbacks, and then we'll go into uh, Dan and Nico's thoughts. Yep. So, well, really just Andy's because Dan and Nico didn't send theirs in, those lazy bums. But, um, basically what happens in this flash sequence of flashbacks is Oliver, now that he has the map to the island and has the gear of the, uh, 
what what Wu calls the foot soldiers. He ends up joining um their little group, and as he and he actually finds a decent meal. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to eat it because he wants to go rescue Yao Fei. And as he's going to rescue Yao Fei, he um he's actually double crossed by Fires, who, as it turns out, knows that he's Oliver. And once he puts Oliver back in a cage. It turns out Yao Fei is actually a double agent working for Fires, and it, and I guess Oliver is the target that they've been looking for. I don't know why Yao Fei wouldn't have just brought him in here's, once he shot him what, in the first place. Here, here's what I think about the whole Yao Yao Fei situation. When we first meet him, when we first meet him, like let's say in episode five, he never says my name is Yao Fei. Like I told you off the microphone. That is true. He never says anything to the fact. All we know is he has a bow and arrow and he dresses in green. He could have been pretending to be Yao Fei just to get Oliver's confidence. To draw the real Yao Fei out in the open just because. Let's look at it from this standpoint. What if this guy, let's say for the sake of argument, is just a henchman that's playing Yafei? What if they're looking for Yafei, but they can't find him? So they find that this guy, this Caucasian rich boy, who's just like toiling around the island. What if they capture him, trick him to thinking, into thinking this is one thing? Because look at how Deathstroke the Terminator and Fires treats him. They never bust him open. They never do any, like, permanent damage. They knock him out, but he could just be acting like he's knocked out. Well, and the thing All is, too... Well, and the thing is, too, when Deathstroke and Yao Fei fight for that second time, where he actually captures Yao Fei, wouldn't you think that he would have just stabbed him and got rid of him at that point? I, yeah, was, I was, was wondering really... why he didn't just kill him there, and why he took him in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Why... And I never thought about it until now, but yeah, you're right. If he really is that big of a problem, why not just kill him? Right. And why not just kill Oliver? If you really do not care about this guy that much, why would you keep holding him if you really want didn't want the real Yafei? Which I think goes back to my theory on the island. He's Robert Queen's son. He might know something, so we gotta keep him here. Or he's like, pathetic. Even Fires tells him a couple of times, you're pathetic, you're the innocent of the innocent, let's capture you to draw Yafei out. Well, yeah. So, I don't because, know. And here's, a, here's, a, here's, another, here's another really good point. If Yafei is really this dangerous, why would he be that easy to capture? Yeah, there is that, too. If, if, he, if he is this... We've seen Oliver train. We've seen the proficiency he has with the bow and arrow. And apparently Yao Fei is the guy that taught him how to do all that stuff. You really think if that guy who actually, if that is the actual Yao Fei is a double agent, you really think that, that guy would be that easy to capture? Yeah. And I mean, and Oliver does say that Yao Fei did train him. But if what you're saying is true and this guy isn't the real one, then we still have probably a little while. And maybe if Oliver really did leave the island, maybe Yalfei's not even on the island. 
but we, we'll still have a while to yeah. meet him, which means he could last longer in the series. We originally said maybe till next season and then he'll die, but he could last longer if this isn't the real him. And here, and here's another, and here's another example, example too. Here's another thing too. Fires really doesn't care anything about Armor Queen. Why keep him around? Yeah, there is that. Christopher Nolan Batman universe, but if I did see Liam Neeson as Ross Al Ghul, I don't know. I'd either be really against it or super for it and super excited. Yeah, I'm just hearing this. Yeah, Impersonating me. But, but, but in all seriousness, and to wrap this up because we do need to get into other things, what what is Swerve and what a cliffhanger did this episode? Two great cliffhangers. Absolutely. I, to, 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 we both thought this episode was going to be a, a, a standalone for sure, and for the bulk of the for the bulk of the episode, it was until the whole being getting into the car with the vertigo. This was just a very standard episode, which wasn't bad, but what what two great cliffhangers in both present time and and you know the flashbacks. Well and the, we, th- and the thing is too and the thing is too that really it could have still been a standalone even after it was revealed what drug Theo was taking. But once they get to that end flashback yeah. scene, that's where it stops being a standalone. That's where it matters. Yeah, and I and I wasn't and I wasn't expecting that at all. I, and judging by the trailer, which we'll get to in the spoilers, we don't know what Oliver's gotten himself into on that island at this point. No, we have no clue. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it definitely. I can't wait for next week. So, so yeah, I cannot wait for next week either. Um, but four to five. Definitely easily. Strong four to five here. Easily. Um, yeah, so we're gonna get into uh I, I guess other ATA members' thoughts on this episode. The only one that I actually sent them in this week was Andy. And last week it was only Dan, so w- we'll see if next week it's only Nico. We'll see. But um and next and, and next week it's only Nico. Yeah. 
And next week it's only gonna be me doing the recording, so yeah. Right. But, um... Yeah, so... And Andy had a lot of the same thoughts as we did, but we will let you hear them out of his own words in the next five minutes. And when he is done, we will come back and we will talk about Twitter stocks. Thanks, guys, and uh, yeah, here you go. Hi, guys, it's Andy speaking. Um, sorry I haven't been around for the past two voice thoughts, but um, I'm back now, and here's my thoughts about this week's episode of Arrow. A great Diggle episode. Um, although I was a bit underwhelmed by the guest actor who, who played Ted Gaynor, um, the character still managed to have enough effect on Diggle and the story to make it interesting and see uh, this new layer for, of Diggle because so far we have seen Diggle being this, you know, voice of reason, you know, and always so, yeah, basically like that. And it was interesting to see how he actually was wrong that you know he was a little bit naive and so on and that he maybe should have trusted Oliver but you know this is probably one of the first disputes uh, out of many that uh, that these two are going to have in the um, in the upcoming episodes uh, of the season but it was interesting i think this is one of Ramsey's finest performances so far of the season um yeah you know diggle for the win basically <laughs> um the flashbacks was interesting, especially with the end. Um, I don't know what you, Michael, and Wu has have has said so far, but I'm not in entirely sure that Yao is really in, in cahoots with Fayers. I think that he might be. Pl I don't know. I I just didn't buy it at first. Uh, it depends because it they were trying to imply that Yao has been working with Edward since um, the beginning, even before Oliver showed up on the island and. That makes it kind of weird, like, why would then Yao help Oliver out for so long, uh, only to reveal that he was actually working with Edward, so I guess we will have to wait and find out, but it was, um, it was a total shock, but still I wasn't totally sold on that. Um, this episode was also the first episode that sh started to explore more of uh, Malcolm Merlin, um, you know, his relationship with Tommy, uh, some of their some of their fa the family's past and we are, and surprisingly I we got to find out about what what the status is of T Tommy's mom which is something that I've been asking for a long time now so I was glad to hear that you know I wasn't glad to hear she was dead but <laughs> you know I was glad to, to know that to find out that that they at least mentioned her so but I there's something under the the surface there I think especially with Malcolm and it you know I think we will see more this was the, like the first hint to to sh that will show us how he became the man and archer that he is today um and I think it has something to do with uh, Tommy's mom but um but one of John Berman and Colin Donald's best performances I love watching them in the same scene it's it make it fits it's awesome and you know I love Berman so um I think this was also um, like last week's episode. We, this was an um, episode that focused a lot on the Queen family, like the previous, uh, like like yeah, like last week. Um, more on Fia was especially interesting, as as you know, Fia is starting to discover discover that something is up between her mom and Malcolm, and um, I just feel so sorry for Moore because she is in an impossible situation. That you you know how often does that even happen? But uh, <laughs> But still, I feel sorry for Mora, and um, you know, 
I think this was a good uh, build-up for next week's episode, especially for Fia, because of what happened in the end of the episode. And, um, yeah, so, um, regarding Oliver, uh, I had mixed reactions, because I felt this episode was this episode was more focused on the supporting cast, except for the Land family, who was, like, so few scenes, so they, they don't even count. Uh, but um, the Merlin family, Diggle, Moore, and Fia, was focused a lot on, and Oliver did have a lot of interaction with them, but, um, it was still not, you know, it, it was, I don't know, I, I am mixed reactions, but I was, I liked, the, the, this is the final thing, uh, which is that, I was glad to see that, how they presented the, the difference between Diggle and Oliver, that Oliver is, you know, he cannot trust, he, can, he can't see the best in people and trust them like Diggle does easily, and, um, so it was interesting to see, and um, last and definitely not least, Emily Rickers slash Felicity Smoke for series regular in season two, please, because she, you know, she is not, I, she is not buying the, the the BS that that Oliver gives her, and you know I think that she's can she's up next to find out that uh, he is the arrow, but still a strong Diggle, Oliver Diggle episode as well as a strong Tommy Mer Malcolm episode, uh, great performances as with a great fantastic. Fantastic build-up for next week's episode. Take care, guys. Bye. All right, we're back. And before I forget, make sure to check out Andy's review on Trust But Verify on the Across the Areas website or on his Young Samaritan blog. So, I guess we would... Oh, one more thing I have to say about Andy. One more thing I have to say about Andy. Andy asked me earlier today if you wanted, if I wanted ice in my milkshake. Can you imagine these? Can you believe these European guys, Michael? Ice in my milkshake? Well, I don't know. That's is, disgusting. Who's the who's gonna be who's gonna be the mediator on across the airwaves other than Andy? Who is that guy again? Uh, Lewis Jones. Where where is Lewis Jones? Do we do we still have his Twitter because we or his Google Plus because I need to contact Lewis Jones. The guy who also runs a good muffin shop, too. Maybe we need to bring him back. I, I think we may you have to. You hear that, Andy? You hear that, Andy? Your job's in jeopardy. Get better with those milkshake orders. God. All right. So <laughs> so on that note, um, Lauren from, uh, what is it, TV tveveraster.com said, I knew he got off the island before, I think talking about Oliver and then he goes and then she goes whoa what the heck just happened at the end is it January 30th yet <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was thinking I think we were all thinking I was I, I didn't watch it live this week I just watched the episode to pull the curtain back I just watched the episode before we recorded and I was thinking that too like what in the world is going on here oh yeah <laughs> um next actually Nico sent in his Twitter thought. He didn't actually record any thoughts. I'm sure you'll hear his and Dan's uh, thoughts on the next Across the Airways podcast episode. But lazy, lazy Mr. Rajasek. Happy birthday, by the way. You had a birthday this week. We do? It's he, he had one. It's Nico's birthday? Oh, yeah, that's right. It is. Yeah, he had one this past week. So happy birthday, Mr. Rajasek. Yes, happy birthday, Nico. But he said... Did you catch Dig call it the Arrow Cave tonight? It seems like you were onto something. Not sure why Dan and Andy were against it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, 
listening to this right now, you have no idea how, how happy that made me when I heard, when I heard that on the episode. Oh what yeah, I I jumped up and down and people didn't understand why I was doing it, but I'm like, they called it the Arrow Cave. They called it the Arrow Cave. I'm like, that's what we I call was, it. Just to be, just to reiterate, like I was just happy with, with what we got last week with the entrance to the Arrow Cave, because like, that was one thing that I really wanted to know. Where does the club start and the Arrow Cave begin? That was one of those logistical things I was working. True, but I was more excited about them calling it the Arrow Cave. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was too. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I really enjoyed that from last week. But how is Tommy not gonna notice the the hood driving with his motorcycle into the lower part of the building? But okay, I guess he'll be trying. I guess he'll be like conveniently not looking when that happens. Conveniently, yeah. All right, Alex Lynch yeah. said, love Thea's face as she got arrested. It had so much emotion, especially shame of being arrested beside the person who tried to help you. He also said that Yelfe yeah. is a jerk, and there was an amazing final shot of the Dark Archer um, in that scene that you and I were talking about where Tommy was talking to Laurel. Um, in Lord Zed's palace. In Lord Zed's palace. Jeremy Schwartz said, really awesome episode this week. The twist at the end. What? Glad the flashbacks are getting more interesting. I, it's not that they weren't before. I think they're just more interesting from story-wise. Before it was mainly action-wise, well, well, and now story-wise it's really getting well, interesting. Well, again, this one really, this one episode really reminded me from the Diggle aspect of Legacies. Didn't you get that same vibe? Like yeah, I did. Stylistically, very, very similar to Legacies. And again, like, one thing that we didn't mention, I love the look on Amela's face when he realizes what, what drugs he, his sister took. Yeah. That was great acting on his part. Great acting, great acting on his part. Because the look of disdain he has for Speedy. Yeah. At the oh, point yeah. when, when he knows, like, what she took. Great acting. I was like, oh, man, that's a great look. Absolutely. Um, Andy actually sent in a tweet as well. He says, I forgot to say this in my voice thought, but I'm fine with the Arrow Cave. I finally gave in. Now I have drinks for you guys. <laughs> okay. You're, you're on board with it after they already saved. Nice to, nice to finally be on board after the show verified us, Andy. Great. You had faith in us. Great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. All right, and our final thought... Our final th thought, like every week, comes from our our number one fan. I'm just going to go out and say it. Jay-Z Cost. Thank you again, Jay. He goes, you know, when Diggle called Oliver's base the Arrow Cave, I thought of you guys. LOL. Mr. Merlin is a good antagonist. I like John Barrowman. It was, it was good seeing some of Diggle's backstory as well. Also, I got to say, my only problem with this episode was Thea. She, like I said was a brat in this one. I mean, jumping to conclusions about her mom and saying that it should have been her on her on the boat, and then getting stoned and driving. I'm sorry, but she was just being a big brat. As always, can't wait for next week, and hashtag you have failed this podcast. To Jay-Z cost credit when she said that to Moira, I was thinking, or... I was thinking this, are Dinah and Speedy in the same book club? Because remember, Dinah said that exact same thing to Oliver and the pilot. Are, are they meeting at the Big Belly Burger for cheeseburgers and curly fries? And, 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 yet, and yet Laurel sees the best in people? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
That's all I have to say about that. Enough said. So the digital, so the digital chapter this week much better tie-in than the digital chapter last week. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree, guys. Yeah. We're gonna move into the uh, digital comic book chapter of the week um, for Arrow, chapter sixteen, "Sins of the Father," which was a great title because I think to me it very well mirrored the episode. Wrong for the episode. Wrong, for, wrong episode. We already had one of those. No, we had honor thy father. We had honor thy father, which is which is what it mirrors, which is what I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I get confused. No problem. Where where, where am I? Who is this? (laughs) Oh my. He's getting slap happy, folks. I'm sorry. I'll try and keep him in line. Um, in this digital chapter, Arrow stops a major crime deal from going down in Starling City. Calm down, Will. Ed befriends a young boy named Rawl, who reminds him of a younger version of himself. Rawl says that he was forced into the quote-unquote family business after a strained relationship with his abusive father. As Oliver and Rawl continue to talk, they find a warehouse, and Rawl jumps Oliver. When Oliver wakes up, Rawl is revealed to have been the one behind the scheme and actually wanted to be the heir to his father's criminal empire. Oliver breaks free and takes out the bad guys, but lets Rawl go so that he can do better with his life. And change it as Oliver changed his own after the island. I like you yeah. said, Wu. I yeah. really like this one. I think this could have been a really yeah. interesting episode or a subplot to an episode. Yeah, and I thought they were moving Vertigo to be honest with you, but if they were just moving drugs, uh, that's fine too. I also got a weird Talia Al Ghul and Rajo Ghul kind of like parent child relationship here. What with the like, fake out? Like, didn't, didn't, yeah, didn't you get that kind of Dark Knight Rises kind of thing with you know? Yeah. But but he's but he's not the but he's not the child of you know the evil drug lord. I am. Well, and the thing is too, I really didn't see it coming. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, this that's why this one I think is the best the best one they've done outside of the. Yeah, that was a good one, too. I like that one a lot. I agree with you. But, um, yeah, it was, I thought this was a great digital chapter. I thought it worked really well in comparison to the episode. And this episode, um... I really, I really wish, though, that maybe I'm just being um, violence for the sake of violence, but I really wanted Oliver to punch Raul just one time. Because... <laughs> Yes, that was awesome. I thought he was talking about his, his car that he had on back. If you touch the hood, you die. It's a very expensive car. <laughs> but um, I, I thought for shock factor, the comic book and the episode both went really well together because they both had really big shocking endings. And I thought yeah, that, that – it, it made for a great week of Arrow. That trailer was so misleading. Just by the look of that trailer, that trailer was so misleading. Or trust but verify? Yeah, because you 
trailer because uh, first of all there were so many scenes out of sequence and it made it I mean in essence the Stiggles storyline was kind of like the minor plot and everything that happened at like the last 10 15 minute minute part was like really cool really like you know fast and really interesting one last thing before we go and I forgot to mention this is how fast um speedy like got injured got in the hospital got out and then got arrested happened with all in like five minutes it yeah that was pretty quick but um to your tra- <laughs> to your point though about the trailer to your point about the trailer last week in our spoiler section when we were talking about the trailer and talking about Oliver and Diggle's face-off in the trailer. That seems like it should have been the end to the episode, and yet that happened in the first ten minutes. Yeah, it didn't even... It happened before the title card even came out. It was the last thing before the title card, yeah. Yeah, I mean, good on the writers. Really good writers. I mean, and didn't I tell the fans... Last week's episode was just a welcome, like, dip your toe in the water, welcome back to, to the series we've been going for a while. Now, I think, for the rest of the season, the pressure's just going to get you know, more amped and amped and amped, especially with, with the fact that, that Moira's, like, cover is not actually being covered that much anymore, with so many mysterious things happening. Well, welcome, well, that... Yeah. That and the fact that Jeff Johns is coming back with Glenn Winter to do an episode. Yeah, and the one actress I told you about from Shuplet, she even tweeted to Jeff Johns, because I think, like, three weeks ago is when they actually filmed this episode, she tweeted to him, like, yeah, it was such an honor to, re- to do your dialogue. Yeah, well, and Laurel's mother, Laurel and Sarah's mother is going to be in the series, apparently. The original Dinah Lance, so that'll be interesting. Julie, Julie Benz, Julie Benz, I'm telling you, Julie Benz. No, they, they casted her, I don't know who it is, though. It's some Doctor Who actor. Julie Benz. Okay. Oh my god, if it's Rose, then Nico knows what I'm talking about. If it's Rose, I'm going to totally freak out. She's too young to be Dad and Sarah's mother. But... Do you have anything else before we go to the um, spoiler, sir? Our contact information on Google Plus or Facebook? Yes, absolutely. If you want to contact us in any way, shape, or form, you can do that in, like I said, a variety of ways, including the Across the Airwaves podcast Facebook and Google Plus pages. Again, Longbow Hunters is a subsidiary of the Across the Airwaves podcast network. So you can find everything Longbow Hunters, Across the Area's DC Nation podcasts, or Retro Reviews on Across the Area's very own Facebook and Google Plus pages. However, Longbow Hunters does have its own official Twitter, at Arrow Podcast. That is, at Arrow Podcast. But you can also contact us at Across Airwaves. That is just at Across Airwaves. You can also follow Wu and myself on Twitter. And Wu, what is your Twitter? WSK9002 at WSK9002. If you want me to follow you, please mention across the airwaves or the Longbow Hunters podcast or even retro reviews. If you want me to follow you back, there are forums that we need to plug. And 
I would like to play this one because I can't remember the Across the Airwaves one because it's on new ksitv.com slash forums. Our, our, good, our good buddy Craig Byrne runs that site. He runs a he runs a forums for his Krypton site, ksitv.com slash forums. What is the forums for Across the Airwaves, sir? Yes, the Across the Airways form is acrossarrows.com slash forms. That is acrossarrows.com slash forms. By the way, my own Twitter is at mjpetty7. That is mjpetty7. However, you can also email us at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. And if you're going to email us, specify that you're emailing to Michael and Wu at Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast, or just Michael and Wu or Arrow Podcast, whatever you prefer. But finally, you could also call in and leave a voicemail that will play on air during the podcast, like we do with uh, Dan, Nico, and Andy, is generally all three of them. And that um, number is 1773-809-3363. That is 1773-809-3363. And through that, like I said, you can call and leave us a voicemail, leave us your theory about Arrow, leave us your thoughts about um, us covering Arrow, what our thoughts on Arrow are, whatever you want to talk about, just leave them and we'll play them and yeah. So I guess before we go, Wu, I do have to mention special thanks to Christopher Wytrick once again for designing our Longbow Hunters the Arrow podcast logo. It's awesome that he got it done in three hours after me asking him and I just can't, can't plug that guy enough. He did a great job with it and just thank you so much, Christopher, because you really saved me a lot of trouble to hunt one down myself. Um, that is that is a great that is a great logo, and I think that will be our official logo from now until the end. Now until the end when we do this, that's how good I think that logo is. I agree Thank with you. Appreciate. So I guess to wrap this up, unless you see us in the spoilers for our favorite, or I guess only across areas podcast hosts and core members, Dan Schmidt, Nico Reifstack, and Andy Babak. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty. And I am some guy named who's still waiting for his milkshake without ice. Oh man, you are losing it. And until our next exciting episode of Arrow, entitled Vertigo, or unless Wu and I don't see you in the spoiler section after the music, we will catch you on the airwaves and see you next week. Thanks guys for joining us, and keep watching Arrow, you Arrowheads. Bye-bye. Once
never come down. The only thing more dangerous than this new designer drug is the dealer. So what you guys just heard was the uh, 30-second preview for the next episode of Arrow entitled Vertigo. And the CW's official description reads, Seth Gable of Fringe fame guest stars while Thea faces prison time. Thea is in trouble with the police after she gets caught using the drug called Vertigo. Oliver thinks the only way to keep her out of jail is to find the dealer, a man who goes by the name of, quote-unquote, The Count, guest star Seth Gable of Fringe. Oliver turns to McKenna Hall, guest star Jaina Gavankar, an old flame and current vice cop, for help. Meanwhile, Laurel steps in to defend Thea, and Felicity gives Oliver some disturbing news about Mora. Um, this episode, like I said, uh, guest stars Seth Gable of Fringe fame, who played Lincoln Lee on Fringe, as the Count, a.k.a. Count Vertigo from the comics, Barry Nerdling as the Mechanic, who I believe was um, in an earlier episode. I think I think he's that Russian guy, and yeah, he's that Russian. He's the Russian part of the Russian mob that Oliver like went to during the dead, the dead, or the dead shot, the dead shot episode. Damages. Sorry. Okay, that's what I thought. And Javina yeah. Gavenkar as McKenna Hall. Gavenkar, who 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 is from True Blood fame. She's the shapeshifter on True Blood. Also a geek and very attractive, may I add. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I, I was saying okay to who she is. I didn't know who she is. Yeah. That's yeah, what I'm like, On her off time, she. I follow her on Twitter. She, tweet, she tweets regularly about video games and Wii U and, like, even, like, like making her own like gaming PC from scratch, and if you look at her, which you you will see in next week's episode, she does not look like your typical geeky gamer chick. Interesting. Well, as interesting as this character does sound, I'm more interested in the count because this one looks oh, like a oh, very oh, different oh, mean, version. Oh, you mean? Go ahead. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean the Joker? Yeah, well, first of all, this is a very, di this isn't your parents, Count Vertigo. This is a very different, um, character than the character in the comics. The character in the comics is a politician, well-respected, and actually has superpowers. But this guy has none of that. Oh, I thought the original version was this guy. Hold on for one second. Bear with me here. One, two, three, three arrows. Ma ah, 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 ah. Oh my gosh. Every time I hear the name of the count, I automatically think of Sesame Street. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I see it's that. It's a mission to make him love, guys. Yeah. It's my mission to make him love. Anyway. The thing is, too, is this is going to be really interesting for Seth Gable, who, as I, I kept saying, is a fringe fame. Fringe recently just ended, unfortunately, but he was in the two-hour finale because he was a main character for a season or two. 
and his character on Fringe is nothing like this character at all. So it's it's very yeah, interesting that's what to you see. Said how... to me off Michael Front. That's, that's what you said to me off Michael Front. This is exactly the opposite of what he usually plays, right? Yeah, exactly the opposite. So it's really interesting that they're going. His range of acting is amazing because on Fringe he played a buddy cop character, a leader, and a very nerdy um, FBI agent. And here he's playing the exact opposite of all of that. So it's really interesting to see exactly how this what is going to work. Don't like about, what I don't like about this character from just the outset of just just looking at him, this may change when I see the episode, he looks like, he looks like he's trying to be the Riddler or the Joker. I hope that's not the case here. Because that's how they're playing this character. And by the way, the guy that was doing the narration in the trailer, doesn't that sound like Brainiac from Superman the Animated Series? Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah. Hello, hello, Green Arrow. Hello. This development was highly improbable. Oh my lord. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for this one though. This one sounds like it's gonna be really good, and it's gonna be really good based off of the last the last episode, trust but verify. So, and, and, and let me ask you a question, sir. In all seriousness, do you know the Muffin Man? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. My real question is: Is Jeff, is Jeff Johns writing writing the episode, or is it? Is it just his story, like the um, Huntress Part One? Is he actually writing the episode for this one? The thing is, this is not the Jeff Johns episode. The no, Jeff it is not. the I Jeff Johns episode is episode sixteen, which is going to be called "Dead to Rights," where uh, Deadshot and China White return. Okay, so because the reason I got confused, Jayana, who I follow on Twitter, did say she was gonna be doing the Jeff Johns episode, so maybe this character will come back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Don't count that out because that's very possible that she'll come back. So sorry if I got confused, guys. Like uh, I was thinking of two different. But doesn't this look like an episode Jeff Johns would have written, or Brian Q. Miller for that? Yeah, it does. It really does. It really does have, and I mean that. I mean that in all like seriousness, and I don't mean that like in a joking way. I mean that very seriously. This looks like something Jeff Loeb, Jeff Johns, or Brian Q. Miller would write. Yeah. Just in terms of style. But interesting and fact that... Like... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. what I was going to say is about the next episode after this, so go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, stylistically, this looks like Oliver going into the, de- into the depths of hell. And I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not being my normal joking way. This looks like the darkest episode we've gotten this season. Yeah, I think you're right. It really does, actually. Like, like nothing has been this dark. I mean, we've seen violent things, we've seen, like, gruesome things, but we've not seen, like, a serial killer-type villain. We've seen crooks, we've, we've seen hitmen, we've seen, you know, like, these kind of characters, but we've never seen a male maniac. And this, and hopefully, this episode is going to be the episode Where Willa Holland can be more than just whiny, bratty little sister. She's going to actually be 
ego than any time before. But what were you going to say about the episode after this one? Well, first of all, I think that, I, well, I hope, besides the fact that you're right about Thea, I also hope that the Count won't die. I, re- I really I really hope we have another member of Arrow's Rogues Gallery, because really, I think this season, part of the plots for this season should be building that Rogues Gallery up. Because you're going to well, need characters well, like mean, that throughout the series. Well, going back to J- Jayana's tweet, I'm just thinking that if she's going to be in this episode, this next episode, and also in the Jim Jones one, that this guy, the guy that plays Vertigo, is going to be in in the, more than one episode. Because just the way they promoted him on Splash, on SplashPage.MTV.com on, and on everything comic book, comic book, slash arrow related that we've seen, you gotta give him more than just one episode. Like, just the way they promoted him virally. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, about the next episode after this case... Oh, go, go. No, no, no. I keep doing this to you. Keep going. No, no, no. I was just just gonna say to end end this, and then you can say what you wanted to say. We've heard... We've heard about Vertigo even before the winter hiatus happened. We've heard about him since, like, like, late October, early November. So... that's about it. The episode after this features uh, Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke, so we're actually going to see his face and all that, which is going to be really cool. But I'm, I don't know if it'll be him. What did you think about the casting? Like, I did post that on the social network page. What did you think about the casting? I think it's better than um, who they casted to be him on Smallville. Yeah. No, to it worked for me. It worked for me. To pull the curtain back, we, Michael and I haven't really talked this, talked this much this week, so that's why I'm asking him, because the casting of uh, Deathstroke, that's been, like, they've been holding that off for, like, a couple, couple months, right? Yeah. Well, I like the casting, too, because he played Azog, who I believe is the pale orc in The Hobbit movie if you've seen that okay he's he's basically he's basically the main villain of the hobbit movie the first one anyway okay okay and he and he apparently played this character or that character in the hobbit so i i like the casting it works really well for me okay but what about you um, I've not seen this guy in anything, but, like, what my, to what my partner has said, I have heard a lot of buzz, a lot of positive, good buzz about him as a performer, because I, like, apparently he's done a lot of good work. I mean, Michael's seen more of this guy and of, uh, Rudigo more than I have. Just the, just the initial buzz around Rudigo, I trust, if he's getting this much positive, this much positive feedback in the 
questions about him whatsoever. I just would, I, I will, again, like I said one more time, I really hope they don't make him the Joker. Because that's how he looks like in the, in the trailer. I don't think that's where it'll end up going. I think it'll be somewhat like it, but I think they'll make him different enough. But you see, but you see my foot, right? Like the yeah. shaky camera, the, the, that kind of thing. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. Why, why so serious, Theo? Why so serious? Oh my. All right, guys. I I think we've had enough of this episode for for tonight. But um, and we. He's had enough for three lifetimes. Well, in the last three years, I would think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um. We love each other so much. We, we do. Love each other. But we, but we are looking it's... forward to Vertigo. We really are. We think, we, and we're looking up forward to future episodes because of casting and storylines and writers and all that. So, all this to say, we love Arrow. You guys could, should always continue to watch it, and if you're still listening, continue to listen, because we'll just keep bringing out new content every week for you guys. So, um, yeah, that's about it. So, thanks guys for joining us, and tune in next week for our thoughts on Vertigo, once the episode actually airs. So, thanks guys. <laughs>